So, Rachel. Yeah? While patrolling Federation space, the USS Shenzhou encounters an object of unknown origin, putting First Officer Michael Burnham to her greatest test yet. Hmm. Which isn't saying much because it's the first episode. So what do you think you're going to get? Well, it's all new to me, isn't it? Mm -hmm. She's called Michael? Yep. Huh. The object, say, is a fiendish puzzle and no one's allowed to help her. I'm thinking Rubik's Cube. Could be. There's an equivalent to each original series main character. So she's Spock. Mm -hmm. Let's say she's had a troubled childhood, driven to be taken seriously and works too hard. Or is Spock Spock? And is Pike in it? Will the Talosians show up? I have no idea. I can't wait for us to dig into this. Rachel watches Star Trek. Welcome to the disco, <laughs> disco fever. <laughs> yes, we are covering the first episode of Star Trek Discovery. Rachel wanted to, you know, watch a little bit more modern Trek, and I, who am I to say no to her? <laughs> Gee whiz! And we are going to do that. We're going to start watching Discovery, one episode a month of Discovery, and three episodes of Next Gen. Yeah, give us a little compare and contrast. Exactly. So chronologically, this takes place before the original series, and. No, you're not really spoiling anything. So join us. Well, you already are. Yeah, you're joining us. Well, let's get into it because there's a lot to talk about. This is a whole new series that we're dealing with right here. So we start with a close-up of a Klingon. It's kind of a surprise because these Klingons are very different looking than the Klingons we know from Next Gen in the original series. You had to tell me they were. Yes. And it's jarring to me. I'm not Mm. I'm not a big fan of the new Klingons. Yeah. It's too much. Is it the hair you miss? I do miss the hair, and they do some retcon stuff later on about the hair, but it's all just... Boy, I'm getting into my feelings already about the Klingons. Uh, too alien? It, well, it's too alien, but there's something about the Klingons, especially re-watching this episode, is that we get a lot of them in Next Gen and in Deep Space Nine, so they, they get really fleshed out. Right. And so to have such a huge kind of turnaround with them mm. is jarring. Oh, yeah. For them to go back to a bit more one-dimensional yeah. aggressors kind of thing. Yeah. They don't mm. seem as fleshed out, definitely not as fun. Because Klingons, yeah. we find out pretty quick, are actually very fun. Oh, are they? Yeah. There's some cool jovial Klingons. You know, All like, right. They like to party. They like yeah. their blood wine. Well, you yeah. Know? I'm digressing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm curious as to why they decided to black them up. Yeah. I mean, they've gone for fuller I mean, features. They're literally and black. And they're literally black. They're literally like black, black, not just dark skin. Yeah. But like noses are very wide. Uh, they have fuller lips, uh, yeah. which are characteristics that are common with people from Africa. So that it's does odd, seem... odd choice. Maybe I'm missing some 
commentary that's not racist about uh, it. I, I don't know why they made that choice, really. I, I'm not sure either. Is it because they, fl- they flip ticks? There's one white Klingon and he's the one who's being treated with prejudice. Could be. Maybe we'll find out. You should know. You've already watched it all. No, you don't find out. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, they I'm... don't explain it. Oh. I mean, this is all obviously the, the people that make the show. Right. Th- these are the choices that they've made. Yeah. I don't necessarily agree with no, all of them, but God. I'm still enjoying Discovery. Don't get me wrong. There's just so much to talk about. Oh, of course. To, to focus on the story is going to be rough for us. We're going to do our best, though. We're getting into the story now. We've got these Klingons in a large chamber. They're doing subtitles for the whole thing. The translation is that they're coming to take away all that we have, and our only solution is reuniting the 24 warring Klingon houses. Mm-hmm. Um, they seem to have forgotten Kalis, the unforgettable, <gasps> uh, which is terrible, uh. and need to lock arms against those whose greetings are we come in peace. Oh, right. That's uh, the humans then, isn't it? Well, uh, any conqueror mm. comes in and says, hey, we're your friends. We want to help you out. Let's be nice. And then Psych. you Here's you, some smallpox. You, well, yeah. Or, or you just drop your defenses because you think they're allies and then they come and take everything from you. Yeah. Now we cut to a desert planet. Captain Philippa Giorgio. Who, like Jean-Luc, is the most French person, is the most <laughs> Greek. <laughs> played by Chinese actor Michelle Yeoh. Oh, mm-hmm. Yes. Who's I know her from Jackie Chan movies and her own films and oh. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Oh right, she's she's great. Yeah. Uh, and Commander Michael Burnham. They are attempting to locate a well that has run dry due to radiation from a meteor mining accident, and uh, this was filmed in Jordan. Beautiful scenery, beautiful epic mm-hmm. camera work. It looks very Star Wars to me, I guess, for the little I know about Star Wars because <laughs> they've got those desert. Uh, wrapped up, cobbled together outfits on yes. out of rough natural fabrics, I yeah. guess, trying to blend in or something. Yes. They can't really blend in with the creatures who live on this planet as we'll see later. Yes, yeah. They've obviously put a lot of money into this series. Oh, yeah. My goodness. Michael Burnham is played by Sonika Martin-Green. She won Saturn Awards for this role in 2018 and 2019. Mm. I know her from The Good Wife. And oh. she was also in Walking Dead, among other things. Yes, uh-huh. She's from Alabama, and age 16, she switched from wanting to be a psychologist to an actor. Mm-hmm. She felt they were similar because they both require to be fascinated about how minds work. Mm, yeah, sure. Mm. So maybe I can identify with that a little bit. Maybe. Yeah, maybe my two jobs are not as different as you would think. Mm. And you're both very attractive women. <laughs> oh, go on. <laughs> She's been an ambassador for Stand Up For Cancer since 2016. Her son was named after her husband. He's a number two. Junior? Yeah, well, I didn't say junior, but he's got exactly the same name and then two. Yeah, yeah. I find it weird when people do that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't get it. My family did it until my dad was the first one not to be named Martin in a long line of first sons. Mm -hmm. Just out of respect. I guess it's just to have some family continuity, I guess. Yeah, you've already got your last name, haven't you? Mm. Maybe that's not enough for some folks. We get the exposition that Burnham has seven years' experience as Georgiou's number one and that they should already know and trust one another. Well, Mm. let's see how that plays out. They're Mm. going to be challenged in that anyway. Of course. A dusty storm is brewing overhead. Burnham has all the stats. A la Spock. She she knows that an 89-year drought is hours away and the crepusculans will die out if they lose their water supply. Their goal is to repair the well and have the USS Shenzhou collect them undetected, avoiding the violation of Starfleet General Order 1, also known as... The Prime Directive! Q-Song! What did they keep saying? Oh, yeah! Ooh, 
obey. You got to obey. Obey. Just obey it, yeah. Obey. What you gonna obey? The Prime Directive. Yay, we get to use that in this series as well. Yeah, of course. I'm gonna need a new version, aren't I? They walk past hundreds of high-hanging egg sacks. At the well, they know exactly what to do and they pop off a Type 3 phaser down the well, just the right amount of pressure or something, mm-hmm. or number of shots, and it gets the water flowing. Shifting the water table, ooh, yeah. and out it gushes. Then we see some alien crustacean armadillo tendril types crawling around and watching them. So they've got them broken. The Prime Directive! Q-Song! Well, no, no, hold on. But see, here's the thing. They're here on this planet... Because there was a meteor mining accident Mm. that caused this radiation problem, which screwed up their ecology. So they're down Mm. there trying to fix a problem that they caused, which is the prime directive has already been broken. They're trying to minimize the damage of the prime directive. All right. I thought they were sneaking around doing it to minimize breaking the prime directive. Well, that as well. But the whole reason they were doing it, if it naturally occurred, the prime directive would dictate that they just let all those creatures die. But since it was due to a mining accident that had nothing to do with those creatures. And that's why they're wearing these Star Wars outfits, yeah. as you like to say, <laughs> to try and blend in with their people a bit more. Even though they're crustacean Yeah. Well, they well, only seem at a distance as well, yeah. is what she says. They could have scuttled around a bit or something. <laughs> Make it look a bit less obvious. That would have been good. <laughs> and the phaser as well it kind of gives it away. But now their ship can't lock on them due to the storm. So they go for a walk and a chat. Burnham's hoping they don't have to stay for the 89-year drought, but if they do, she'll just adapt. She'll try and get in with the aliens and learn about their culture. So Yeah, we, we learn that she's a xenobiologist expert. Mm. Is there anything she can't do? They don't <laughs> waste any time, do they? No. On Vulcan, as we'll find out later. Then she notices Georgiou's path has led them in a circle. Not quite. In comes the Shenzhou. They beam up and we see from the air that their footprints made the Starfleet insignia. Nice. I like that. <laughs> yeah, that's good. I suppose it's a little bit cheesy, but it's a nice introduction. Yeah. Yeah. First officer's log tells us it's stardate 1207.3 on Earth. That would be the year 2256. Now, the original series starts off in the year 2269. Oh, okay. So that gives us 13 years before the original series kicks off. Ah, oh, not, not far off. No. They have been called to the edge of the Federation space to investigate damage done to a Federation interstellar relay. What's that? Well, a relay is something that uh, takes usually information, data, and is able to kind of boost the signal. So like mm. a you know, Wi-Fi signal booster. Yeah. Same thing. Oh. Burnham is loving this binary star system. Around these two suns, ice, dust, and gases collide to form planets future generations will call home. A humbling reminder that all life is born from chaos and destruction. Got a lot of wonder, hasn't she? She loves to discover and really notices and appreciates That's right, these yeah. wonders. And that is why the show is called Discovery. Oh, yeah. We meet science officer Saru. Friend of the show. <laughs> sure. <laughs> he, <laughs> does say, <laughs> he does say that it sounds like a brilliant idea for a podcast. <laughs> That's right. Whether he'd actually listen to it or not, that remains to be seen. <laughs> Doug Jones is the actor who was in a lot of the Guillermo del Toro films. He was in Hellboy. He was Abe Sapien. He was in Seven as the sloth guy. Was he in Hocus Pocus? He might have been in Hocus Pocus as the uh-huh. zombie. Any kind of character, actor in prosthetics, good bet it's Doug Jones. Okay. <laughs> and this character's 
mostly human looking, apart from the face. It's got a lot of prosthetics on it. Uh, he believes that the relay was intentionally damaged. There is an anomaly in the debris field, but it's creating a scattering field, so they can't scan it with their sensors. In fact, the image is all like pixelated and weird, so they decide mm. to go down below deck and use a physical telescope to look at it. Oh, sounds really dodgy if somebody's uh, shielding it. Uh, Burnham practically begs Giorgio to allow her to go there with a thruster pack, so like <gasps> in a spacesuit. So dangerous. They hand wave all the debris is too dense for shuttle pods, so, you know, she's yeah. going to do the spacesuit thing. At least they give a reason. They yeah. just really want to show us this effect. Yeah. The radiation in the area limits her <laughs> <Finally>. spacewalk <laughs> to 20 minutes, so she can only be out there for 20 minutes. Burnham thrusts 2,000 kilometers to the anomaly. What? Yeah. What the heck? In space, you can go really fast because there's no air resistance. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Without incident, but loses communication with the ship. She finds an intricately designed sculpture-like object. It's got lots of curling and curving out tendrils. Very organic looking, yeah. Yeah, but with tattoos or inscriptions mm -hmm. or details on it. Um, I think she describes it as stone, but with an exoskeleton of metal. Mm -hmm. Memory Alpha said she visualized it as someone exploring a coral reef. Mm. So, of course, she couldn't see any of it while she was doing her green screen. Oh, right. Yeah. So she tried to imagine oh, that of sense. And also the director apparently described in intricate detail everything she would be seeing before mm. she did the scene. She finds a platform-like area. The proximity sensor on her suit alerts her that something's there, but too late. It's a figure covered in metal armor. Warning. Proximity alert. <laughs> Iconography confirmed. Klingon. I'm Commander Burnham. Of the United Federation of... Oh dear, swing first. I'll yeah. do introductions later. The Klingon swings a Batleth at her. She thrusts and the Batleth goes through his suit and body, pushing him away from the platform or her. Not very good armour. Hmm. It should at least be able to defend you from your own weapon, shouldn't it? <laughs> Although the performer was hanging from wires, the stunt crew had to make Burnham look as if she were neutrally balanced in a zero-G environment, with the thrusters on her jetpack dictating every move, rather than have her seeming basically like a puppet. Oh, right. And that's also from memory alpha. So they had to make her look like she was moving around a little bit, I suppose, equalizing or something. Or... In space, you only move where your opposite force is being applied. So if you push mm -hmm. down, you'll go up. That won't change until you do something to resist it. So her backpack, if she's going to stop, it has to shoot thrusters forward if she's moving forward. So And yeah. she mustn't swing around like she would on a yeah, wire. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Mm -hmm. Clever, aren't they? They're very clever. Looks great. In the Klingon's chamber, so she flies off into space and we don't know what actually happens to her. She's not answering her communications. In the Klingon's chamber, the body of the warrior killed by Burnham is Rezek. He lies in a sarcophagus in the center. That was quick. It was very quick. How'd they retrieve him? They don't dick around, these guys. Wow, yeah. Great, they, beautiful sarcophagus, by the way. It is. What a burial that is. They say that the anomaly is the sacred beacon placed by the Klingons. The, the sarcophagus floats out of the chamber. They do the Klingon roar. Oh, yeah. You know, when somebody dies, they let the gods know that... A warrior's coming. A warrior's coming. But this time, the sarcophagus floats out and attaches itself to the outside of the ship. Whoa. Among a bunch of other sarcophaguses. I'm interested in that concept. 
But I wonder what they're communicating by that, flying around with all of their bodies on the on the top. He says that the warriors, even in death, will fight. And oh. so, in a way, you know, they'll be part of the battle because oh, wow. when the ship gets attacked, they'll, you know, their bodies will be blasted. And, Whoa. Or their bodies are protecting the ship. Oh, wow. That's cool. Pretty they cool. They get to be part of it, yeah. Yeah. Burnham is floating unconscious by now. Surely out of time for preventing radiation poisoning. Yeah. We then go to a scene of a human kid with a Vulcan haircut mm-hmm. in a testing pod among other kids in pods. They're answer- who are Vulcan. Who are Vulcan. Yeah. They're answering rapid fire questions about Klingon and Starfleet facts and being shown video clips to go with them. And you had to tell me it's supposed to be her. <laughs> I thought it was a boy. Yeah, well, but also this is totally stolen from not only Star Trek Four. The Voyage Home in the beginning, remember Spock was doing those relearning, mul- relearning stuff. Yeah. So they were doing that. But they also use that again in the J.J. Abrams one when they show baby Spock <laughs> doing this. Baby and then Spock. he gets he gets angry and beats up some Vulcan kids for making fun of him. Oh, right. In, yeah. that, in the prequel film. Yeah. So it's the same thing. They're they're sticking with that. Rip off. It's not, <laughs> no, it's what's consistent. It's established track. Rip off or consistent. Let us know. It's consistent. <laughs> She falters and becomes emotional about one attack and has to stop the program. It's obviously something to do with her own past. I think they say it later in the episode. Her parents and her as a child were on a a science colony Mm. doing some science stuff and the Klingons attacked, killed her parents. And Michael was rescued by the Vulcans and was taken in by uh, Sarek. Sarek. Right, yeah. Well, Sarek rocks up and tells her off for being emotional. Get out of here, Sarek. He's a jerk. Such a jerk. Now we've got to watch him be totally emotionally unavailable for another (laughs) child. (laughs) It's weird they made such a big deal of this character, though, if she dies in the first episode. Yeah, I know. Mm, Yeah. Funny that. So Burnham wakes up in an anti-proton chamber covered in lesions. That bit was all a dream. Or a memory. Memory, yeah. (laughs) Where's Bev when you need her? She would have had those lesions sorted out in two seconds flat. Well, she hasn't been born yet. It'll be another 70 years or so before she shows up. Dr. Nambu says that she was rescued three hours ago from the object, and that's enough for Burnham back to work. Oh, no. She's still covered in all lesions all over her face. Yeah, she's got this little white wrap thing that's covering up her breast and her her bottom and stuff. Oh, yeah. And uh, she just throws on a robe and she's up there. (laughs) So on the bridge, uh, she tells them about the Klingons. Almost no one has seen a Klingon in a hundred years. I have. One attacked me on that object. Check my helmet cam. The footage was corrupted. Internal sensors show that the commander has entered the bridge in an irradiated state. Without immediate treatment, her condition will most certainly be terminal. He was warrior cast. His his EV suit bore a Klingon house in Sydney. She also has a grade three concussion. I am not delusional. This has nothing to do with a concussion. Philippa, there are Klingons. So Georgiou kind of looks at Burnham and she sees in her that she is clear-headed and she does know what she's talking about. That's why she gives the red alert. Mm -hmm. She believes her. She locks onto a cloaked Klingon vessel, it turns out. Mm -hmm. It decloaks and it's huge. It ignores their hails. On the Klingon ship, the dead guy, Red Jack's brother, Auric, is called to take his place, but he doubts that the other houses will come at the call of this beacon. Mm-hmm. A light-skinned Klingon, practically white, Vok, Vok, volunteers to light the beacon, and he's rebuffed by the leader. 
Vok convinces him, though, of his faith by holding his hand over a flame for ages and getting it all singed, and he doesn't give a toss either. No. Not even slightly. No, he's not, pain. like, to one of those faces where it's like, no. Ooh. He's just standing Bothered. there like, what? No biggie. Yep. My hand's just burning off. I don't care. Well, it works. The leader hands over his batleth to Vok and names him Torchbearer. On the Senju, Giorgio is meeting with a hologram of Admiral Anderson of, about their situation. Burnham recommends attacking to the Admiral going above the captain's head. Ooh. She's acting a little nutty here, mm. Burnham. She's kind of, you know, a little panicky, a little, little, little crazy. Yeah. This can't be the first time that she's almost died on their uh, missions. Yeah, maybe. The Admiral dismisses her and orders them to stay put while backup arrives. Back on the bridge, an ear-piercing electromagnetic signal hurts everyone's ears. Burnham recommends an attack on the Klingons, and Saru recommends retreat. He's very cautious, mm -hmm. and he mentions that his people were actually bred to give the alarm of approaching death, like canaries in a coal mine or something. And they were eaten. Oh, and they were eaten? Yeah. All right. They were livestock on his home oh, planet. They were, oh, as well. Oh, oh, yeah. They were for food they were, and they were for the purpose of warning, a warning system. Well, they were prey, mostly. They just adapted a very good warning system to try and survive. because oh, they're, for themselves. Yeah, they're the low end of, on the uh, food chain. They don't look like they'd be very tasty, though, do they? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. Not much meat. Georgiou sticks with her order, annoyed by Burnham's insubordination. Off the bridge, Burnham opens a subspace channel to Sarek. Commander Burnham. Hello, Sarek. Happy to see you. So many years. And still you allow emotional considerations to impede your logic. They inform my logic. I need your help. I assume the timing of the call was not coincidental. The quadrant reports a new star in the sky. What have you done out there on the edge of Federation space? We've encountered the Klingons. How rare to meet one's own demons in the flesh. I killed one. In light of the fact that they killed your parents, some might think that only fair. However, if a death was necessary, I am satisfied it was not yours. He says it's unusual for Klingons to exercise restraint in the face of conflict. Mm. She convinces him to say how the Vulcans achieved diplomatic relations with the Klingons. The Vulcan hello, he says, fire first. We don't actually hear him say it, but we find out quite soon. Yes. That's what he shared with her. He was pretty useful there, wasn't he, Sarek? He had to get a few digs in about yeah. her emotionality, but, yeah. you know, he's actually a very helpful mentor, I suppose. She obviously really trusts and relies on him. Yeah. She tells Giorgio, who refuses to do this, she says, first of all, we're wildly outgunned, and second of all, we have no cause. We're not going to just go shooting people. That's not what the Federation does. Yeah. Burnham well, continues to push on this, and Giorgio says, okay, you know what? My ready room. Get to your room. <laughs> <laughs> she chews her out. Yeah, she's pissed off like a parent whose teenager's dissing them in front of their new friends, but the parent doesn't want to seem like a raving lunatic telling them off in front of the friends, so can I have a word with you, please? Well, she also is doing it as if a, a subordinate is uh, questioning the orders of her superior <laughs> officer. And, no, I can't and, relate to that. <laughs> <laughs> but she's doing it in a way that obviously she cares about Burnham. And it, we, it just seems like everybody's very calm and very Starfleety, mm -hmm. and Burnham is not. I think this bothered me the first time I watched it because I go, that's not very Starfleet this character who's mm. supposed to be an important character of the show. She's certainly not very Vulcan if that's how she's been raised. Right. But I think upon the second watching of this, it's about 
this is a trigger for her for some past trauma. Yeah. That Klingons caused this trauma and they haven't seen them. So this is the first time she's and she's just killed a Klingon. Yeah. You know, like, oh, my God, she must be going through all this stuff. Yeah. Maybe stupid experts, Giorgio, should have uh, clicked with this yeah. <laughs> and like going, Burnham, I'm going to say go to your quarters and hang tight. Well, people do accuse her of quite a lot of it being personal and it being trauma based. They do, but they don't do anything about it. Burnham seems that Georgiou has convinced her to stand down or she's going to accept the order. Mm -hmm. But I could tell she was going to do it anyway. Yeah. Somehow. Nerve pinch time. Yeah. We were just discussing in conspiracy, weren't we? Whether yeah. possessed Vulcans could do the nerve pinch or not. You know, the worm yeah. eating mm -hmm. people. Yeah. Well, it turns out that humans can. I guess if so. If they're taught well. Burnham takes command of the ship, although everyone, especially Saru, thinks that it's super dodgy mm -hmm. and Saru challenges her directly. And she She's just like panicky and looks like a crazy person, you know, yeah. like and, and he can tell what's up with her. And he's like, you're you know, you're sweating. You're uh, breathing's elevated. Yeah. yeah. And she, she orders an attack on the Klingon vessel. But guess what? Giorgio reenters the bridge and says, no, that's not happening and draws a phaser on Burnham. <gasps> She's so badass like Kirk. Even a pinch can't take her down for more than a few minutes. Or maybe it wasn't a proper pinch. Yeah, it was a human pinch. So a human it's, pinch. It's not so good. Yeah. And we end with this. Fire. Belay that order. Captain, please. I'm trying to save you. I'm trying to save all of you. Stand down. Captain, incoming. Warp signatures detected. Is it Starfleet? Oh my gosh, so, so is intense. Is this part of a two-part pilot? Yes. Or is this just how it's going to be, cliffhangers? Because this is not the episodic bottle episode yes. thing anymore, is it? No. Like our friend Doug Jones, Doug Jones was yes. saying. Uh -huh, yeah, it's not. There is a, there's definitely a story arc for the whole season, but you're right, this is kind of the two-part pilot. All right. It was very boring memory alpha about this episode. I must tell you all, <laughs> don't bother. <laughs> Lots of detail, no gossip. Yeah. So, concepts. All right. A world with no contact from the Klingons, at least with the Federation, for a hundred years. Obviously, there had been contact between the Vulcans, or at least Burnham's family and the Klingons, mm -hmm. more recently. Yeah. A Vulcan hello is the theme here, in contrast to the human one that the Klingons mention at the start, we come in peace. Yeah. The Vulcan hello is fire first. Yeah. Yeah, and they respect that. We've got a Klingon redesign. Their outfits are kind of rib-like. They mm. almost look like ribs and flesh, but it's folded silk or something very opulent, mm. kind of like 16th century with almost with the roughs, or at least the high collars and the structured yeah. male mm -hmm. outfits of the 16th, yeah, 16th yeah. century. Very grand and visceral as well. Made them all look quite similar, even though they do have different tones of costume. Mm. Their makeup is so similar. They don't have the hair to differentiate them. Yeah. I don't know how it's going to be as we go along trying to work out who's who. Yeah, yeah they're shades of grey. A lot of the Klingons that we saw in the background, the, the leader there has got black, like ebony black skin, and a lot of the other Klingons are grey, and then we have the one that's white. So yeah. they've kind of changed the palette. The Klingons that we've seen in the past have had brownish skin. Yeah. 
and I don't know yet whether they are different races among the Klingons or whether the white one is a sort of a genetic anomaly. I think he's supposed to be a genetic anomaly. Mm. But yeah, there's a lot of people trying to do some <laughs> acrobatics to try and make these Klingons make sense with the other Klingons. Oh. When the simple fact is it's just a redesign. Yeah. And people need to deal with it, especially when we see the Enterprise. I have spoiler, you know about Pike and the new series and things. So we see the Enterprise. Mm. It's not the Enterprise from the original series. Oh, right. Of course, it's not going to look like a 1960s set. You know, they've got, yeah. to, they've got to change it for yeah. modern sensibilities. Modern sen- yeah. Now, Heather Caden, I've seen a, a bunch of interview stuff with her. She's a very smart person. And Who is she? I, uh, she's uh, the showrunners on the, the show. Oh, right. She says, you've never seen how things are progressing with the Klingons behind the scenes prior to this. She went on to say, it speaks to what we're trying to do with the whole series, which is changing our expectations about our assumptions, whether it's about race, about culture. I think in the past, Klingons have always been portrayed as they as they're the bad guy, period. Hmm. In this case, technically compared to Starfleet, I guess that they are the bad guy, but you understand that they're doing what they're doing for what they believe is a very good reason. Now, hmm. and, and of course, the whole episode starts with their point of view. Yeah. Now, I've got a quickly disagree with her and a lot of people did as well Hmm. Klingons are not portrayed as the bad guys and if she watched oh I don't know the second season onwards of Next Gen or Deep Space Nine which Hmm. she doesn't seem to have what about Wolfie? exactly like (laughs) Klingons have this complex I mean they do the Klingons great in Next Gen and Deep Space Nine you get a real sense of a nuanced culture they're not just these guys that are all about violence they're you know like i said they're fun you get to see this fun mm-hmm. aspect of them and there's none of that in this they're just these kind of mm. very somber like angry cruel they're dudes only focused on war and retribution and protection yeah, yeah. and mm. there's a bit of that obviously and you see a lot of duplicity within the klingon culture even though they're very honor bound i mean these are things that you're going to see when we jump into next gen and i'm curious what you're going to think of them compared to these Klingons as well. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe if there'd been a little more contrast between somebody's holding their hand over a flame and burning it, then we cut back to a little fireside scene with the Federation crew (laughs) toasting marshmallows. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, they've done that. I forgot. Oh, man. That didn't go so well. Yeah. We had hologram meetings. Mm Mm-hmm. Sarek could sit on the bench in their room. How? Yeah, that's still... Is that a mistake? That doesn't make any sense. Another thing that annoyed me with that, oh, now I've seen it like a hater, but I'm not a hater. I really love it. There's the thing that bothers me, and they do this in other TV shows. She calls Sarek, and then, boom, he's there standing, oh. like, waiting oh, for right. a phone call. It's not oh, like, yeah. you know, wait a minute, and he's, like, gets up from a desk, or he puts on his coat, or, you know, like, something. Oh, yeah. He was just standing there, like, yes, I'm ready to talk to you. Which Maybe was, she texted him beforehand. Could be. Yeah. Could be. Set it up. Yeah. Between <laughs> leaving the bridge and getting to that room. Mm. Yeah, good point, Chris. Maybe for the problem I had, they have a specific room set up in each location. All has that bench. And so yeah, maybe. <laughs> they can, maybe. Yeah, so then it makes sense. We had the Vulcan learning pods. As you said, that's not, it's not new. Are, no. we, are we penalizing things for not being new? No, no, no. I don't know. We have the space suit that mm-hmm. thrusted out all over the place, but that was what Spock's had before. Yeah, you were saying, in fact, when she was flying in that spacesuit, you go, just like Spock. Do you want a Spock? Motion yeah. picture, yeah. Computer on a body, crewmate. Oh right, one of the cr- the crew members got the the head like he's uh, like Daft Punk. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I wondered why I liked it. <laughs> so, well, I want to know more about them. Yes. What's their story? Unfortunately, you don't learn anything more about them. <laughs> what? Are you kidding? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Bloody hell, Star Trek. Uh, sorry. Every intriguing thing. Oh, yeah. Dead end. Yeah. Well, not everything, but, but go on. <laughs> no, sorry, that's that's not fair. Uh, you know, this is the first live-action episode of Star Trek since the original series Turnabout Intruder. Boo. Not to be produced with any involvement by Rick Berman. He was involved in everything, everything. TNG. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Deep Space Nine. Whatever the other ones are called, yep. Voyager, Voyager Enterprise, yes. Yeah. Oh, wow. He's a busy guy, isn't he? Has he just been involved in a sort of gene capacity of Yeah, he was kind of the, the, had the big overall vision, you know, mm-hmm. kind of picked up where Gene left off. And yeah. some people hate him. Some people think he did good stuff. You know, I think it's a bit of both. Yeah, yeah. well. I think he did some great stuff. So overseeing a lot of great stuff that you loved, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, absolutely. So it's tricky to innovate concepts in a prequel. Yeah. They've redesigned things, mm. but can they really bring in any new technology that then doesn't exist no. 15 years later or whatever? They can't. Although they did bring in that thruster thing, and that doesn't exist in TOS. And they uh, holographic and the hologram meeting. Compute, yeah, that obviously yeah. that's not a thing as well. So I'm not sure we can really give them any points for new concepts. But then again, how could they have new concepts? Yeah, it's it's, a, I understand it's tricky for it's them. It's a prequel. We had a human raised by Vulcans, mm-hmm. but that doesn't feel too different from Spock, really, does it? No. Well, I mean, I, it's even Spock's dad, so. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess it needed to seem familiar enough since they've changed all the characters and the look. Right. Points for a female captain and number one. Mm-hmm. Six out of ten. Yeah, I'm just go straight five. I don't oh, think it's. Yeah. I don't think it was bad, but I don't think it was particularly good. Like, yeah. they do a better job of it later. There's things that happen that are pretty cool in this series. Some great stuff. Yeah, I think I've probably been a bit generous there because I don't know what concepts I am talking about with that six. Yeah. But I'll stick with it. Sure. Entertainment. <laughs> Amazing visuals. Mm-hmm. Movie quality. Epic. Love the costumes. Mm-hmm. Amazing makeup as well. Yeah. Even if we're not sure about the design of it, the application. Mwah. Yeah. Good performances, but I didn't feel engaged with any character or any relationship. Mm-hmm. On reflection, I would like to have thought, oh, wow, that character's so intriguing. I can't wait to hear more about why they're like that or yeah. what's happened in their past between the two of them that's making them interact in that way. Yeah, yeah. Like, eh, I wouldn't necessarily mind if next time we watch this, they're all different characters. Well. That's not good, is it? <laughs> well, some of them are. Uh, yeah, I don't want to spoil anything, oh, okay. but you're kind of on the right track of what's oh, going to happen. Interesting. I get that Saru is cautious. Michael uses her emotion to inform her logic and she's passionately insubordinate, Mm -hmm. at least in this episode. And the captain's firm and difficult to rile. She's cautious like Picard by the book, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, but apart from that, like I said, I'm not left thinking, ooh, yes. No comedy or proper fights. 6.5, that's mostly for the effects. Yeah. Well, I think it's really well paced. Um, Yeah, that's true. I think it's beautiful. It looks great. Watching it again, I'm still very interested in it. So I think almost have to change the scale for entertainment because there is a modern sensibility to it. You know, Jonathan Frakes is a film director and he's directed episodes of Discovery and The Orville. Mm. And he's talked about how Discovery is like directing a movie. There's a lot of motion in the camera work. There's a lot of lighting, quick cuts, you know, a lot of this... This type of thing. The characters, you're not really engaged with them yet. I can feel that as well. Yeah. Like, yeah, I was pretty entertained by this. I'm going to give it a six. Yeah. Six. I did appreciate the way they wove the Klingon perspective and what they were going through in with 
the crew story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, 6.5. Yeah. Sexiness. Yeah, better. Mm-hmm. Especially the white bandage bra and shorts bit from mm-hmm. Burnham. Yeah. The new uniforms are cool, but I'd remove the zip personally. I think it's too much. Kind the, of stops it from being an elongating shape. Oh, I the see. zip up the front. Yeah, okay. I thought they had more similar to TOS uniforms because that's what people were wearing at the con. So maybe that's going to emerge. When you see the Enterprise crew show up oh, next right, season, right. it's the similar design. Right, of course, the Enterprise crew. The captain has beautiful hair. No men to swoon over yet. Three out of five. Three out of five? Uh, yeah, I think that there's something kind of, you know, ooh, about it. A little, <laughs> there's some sexy, Fresh she's very attractive, uh, obviously. And there's she, kind of in her passion. And I think there is some chemistry between Giorgio and Burnham yeah. as well. And yeah. I kind of like that. Not sexy, not, enough, not as sexy, but there's something some. there. Uh, three, stupid experts. Um, feel unclear on this, really. Burnham being reckless with her curiosity to go and explore it at all. Yeah. Stupid. Giorgio, stupid to doubt her conviction. Should she just know her and trust her and have gone for the Vulcan hello? But then that would be going against her own no superior's orders no and Starfleet's way. You don't do it. Yeah. No. I, I feel like this has got a pretty decent stupid experts. One, I get that if she didn't get close to that, they would have never known that it was Klingons involved. Yeah. Because that's how she found out. Because they were coming anyway, weren't they, the Klingons? Yeah, but yeah. who knows how they would have manifested or what would have happened. They were a little bit more prepared because she did that. So there was a bit mm. of a payoff in that risk, but was it enough? And she freaking murdered a Klingon. Yeah, and she could have died. And she could have died. And who knows how that's going to play out, the fact that the Federation showed up and murdered a guy. And if it's a Klingon property, they don't really have any business being there. Yeah. Eh. I'm not and sure. I feel like Giorgio should have saw that Burnham was spiraling and relieved her of duty. She cares about her and she's got a relationship and it makes sense. I'm not challenging it, but it's one of those things where it's like, if she was really good at her job, she would have picked up on that. Yeah, presumably she's not always like this because they keep saying all the radiation poisoning, you've been through a lot. Yeah, yeah. 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 Stupid experts, I'll give it a two. I'm just going to say 2.5 because I don't really understand it yet. (laughs) (laughs) Whether they're being stupid or not. Yeah. Guesses. Well, maybe it was a puzzle of sorts trying to work out how to play it with the Klingons, but yeah. not really. Yeah. She was kind of Spock. Got to increase my empathy for her knowing she was raised by Sarek. Pop. She's Spock's thing. adopted sister. Right, right. So, yeah. yeah. She's going to have Spock on. qualities. <laughs> it's funny that you call that. Maybe I think you you've know? told me that. I've oh, forgotten I and then thought I came up with the idea. Oh, right. Yeah, that's probably it. Yeah. Uh, was there an equivalent to each TOS character? No way. Oh, really. Didn't really, really get to know many of them anyway, did we? Saru, Giorgio, and Burnham is about it. Everybody else is sort of just background people. Yeah. Bad guesses, but what do you expect? Come on. I don't know what I'm doing, do I? Hey, I want to thank some patrons. Yeah, welcome. Lieutenant Ilka Yusel. Oh, yeah. Hey. Welcome. I, he's a HP Pycraft guy. Oh, yeah, I've known him for, for years. Crossover. And welcome back, Lieutenant Commander Thueris Zanzibar. Ooh, welcome Good to have back. you. Hey, we got some anniversaries. Three years with these folks. Oh, Lieutenant Jennifer DeFord. Thank you. Lieutenant Commander Clyde Dunsing III. Oh, thanks, Clyde. Lieutenant Tim Farley. Lieutenant Dennis Newsom. 
Thank you, Dennis and Tim. Lieutenant Elizabeth Grady. Ensign Dave Mackin. Lieutenant Armin Schmidt. Thank you, Dave and Armin. Uh, I'd like to thank Lieutenant Jason Perry. And Ensign Donnie Bliss. Thanks, guys. Lieutenant Commander Jason Rainberg. Yeah, and Lieutenant Noah Sudret. Thank you very much for being with us through this whole ride, you champions. All right, now hopefully it's not going to be too drawing, but we're going to jump back to Next Generation Season 2 premiere. Not a great episode. Rachel, step out. We're going to listen to the, the teaser for it. Okay, bye. Next time on Star Trek The Next Generation. Elsewhere Troy will have her baby in about 36 hours. News of an alien pregnancy alarms the crew. Something which I can only describe as a presence entered my body. Could this mysterious entity pose a deadly threat? Destroy it now. Diana Muldor, Whoopi Goldberg, join the crew of Star Trek The Next Generation. All right, everybody. Well, that concludes our coverage of Discovery. What are your gut feelings? Mm, I'm intrigued by this thought that there's going to be a lot of new characters coming in. I like the idea of seeing what the Enterprise is up to. Mm -hmm. As I said, given the crew we've got already, not that invested yet. Okay. Obviously prepared to keep... Yes. I mean, God, it's not pleasing me, is there? What <laughs> <laughs> a pain in the ass. No, not at all. You're a delight. But you've got to have some time, haven't you, to get to know and love characters exactly. and well, settings. Think about the first episode of uh, Next Generation. Yeah. And compare it to this. Yes. So, I'm really warmed to those guys now. I suppose watching something news made me realize that. Yeah. Maybe I'm missing a little bit. Okay. Well, we'll be back to your close friends next week. And with <laughs> close that, personal friends. <laughs> with that, I'm... <laughs> and with that, I'm Chris Lackey. And I'm Rachel Lackey. And you've been listening to... Rachel Watches Star Trek. Star Trek!